This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. On this week's snow-covered episode of the Mandatory Samson Podcast, me and Matt are in studio and Joey joins from an undisclosed, unsecure location in New Jersey. What's up, Joey? Not too much. I'm in a rope, bro. Oh, my God. We get into a lot of stuff. We talk about Trump, of course, Dakota Access Pipeline. We got some clips. And we have a song from our friend Brian Wilson at the end of the program. Stick around. I think you're going to enjoy it. This is the Mandatory Samson Podcast, coming to you from the snow-covered streets of Manhattan in New York City. My name is Christopher Flannery. I'm joined in studio today by one Matt Weiss. Hello, Chris. What's up, buddy? Lovely snowy day here in New York. I it is. Love it. I really like it. And joining us for maybe the second time on the phone, my usual in-studio co-host, my best friend, Joseph Noe. Eight inches, bro. I got eight inches of snow, and I'm snowed in. I feel like snowed in. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could have done better with that, but I do get it. I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I talked to you yesterday, and I was like, don't even bother getting on the bus or whatever. It's like, just, you know, just stay home. No, I, I thank you, because I would totally have been able to get in. Coming home might have been a problem. Yeah, it's just not, it's not worth it. So anyway, so Joey is at an unsecure location in new jersey we are in the normal studio and we got a lot to talk about today welcome to the show everyone this is what we're gonna do we got several quick hits off the top we have a travel update immigration ban update whatever you want to call it uh then trump's new putin comments which i found interesting he was interviewed by bill o'reilly over super bowl weekend so we got that clip that we're gonna listen to and whether Trump's conflict of interests matter or not. And Matt seems to think they do. I'm an opinionated person. Yeah, well, we're going to get into it. Plus, we're going to read a couple of emails along the way. Uh, But first, listen to this. We're going to promote uh, our friend's album. We're also going to close out the program with a song by Brian Wilson, who... For those of you who don't know, Brian Charles Wilson is the cellist in the band You Bred Raptors with a question mark. It's like from Jurassic Park. He also worked with us here at Stand Up New York Labs for a bit, and he's actually uh, he's been a guest a while back on the program, MSP 14, if you're interested. it's uh, The episode title is He Very Happy Now, and it's Brian tells a funny story about an erotic massage he got so back in the day. 100, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 100 podcasts ago? Yeah, exactly. 100 podcasts yeah. ago. Yes. Uh, he Anyway, so Brian is now about to release his debut solo album, which draws from his classical upbringing on cello and combines it with his love for hip hop, drum beats, synthesizers and detailed production. It sounds great. Honestly, I listened through the album last night and I love it. It's a uh, truly unique sound and you guys should definitely pick up the album and support a friend of ours and a real artist who's trying to you know do something great and i think he's succeeding brian's album is called oso perizoso oso p 
P-E-R-E-Z-O-S-O, Ozo Perezoso, which comes out March 7th of this year. And you can buy it on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, etc. It's on a bunch of different um, you know, online platforms, as well as Bandcamp, where you can um, pre-order the album. You can go to Brian Wilson, B-R-Y-A-N Wilson dot bandcamp.com. Um, and he also has an album release show at Greenpoint Gallery in Brooklyn, New York on March 10th at 9 p.m., which I'm sure is going to be a really good show uh, and a good That's time. Awesome. So like I said, we're going to close out the show with the song from Ozo Perizoso. The song is called Ice Nine, and I really like it. We were listening to it before we started, and you guys were like, oh, this is a really like different sound and really interesting, right? Well, yes. Yes, I was like that. Uh, and I, anyway, so I think it's quite representative of the hip hop cello fusion my mam's got going on, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. And uh, that's the story there. So you know, listen through to the end of the episode, and definitely listen to that, and uh, you know, go support our, our friend Brian because uh, he did a cool thing. The album's really good. Joey, thoughts on that? It's going to be a a treat for the listeners. Yeah, for sure. I like being able to end the song. The, the episode with the song. We used to do that, but then we started getting sponsors and, we, you know, we didn't really have the rights to those songs. So I had to go back and cut out, like, you know, 40 songs at the end of episodes. That was but, a lot of work. But this we have permission to use, so we're just going to do it. You know, we're good. Um, all right. Yeah, right, we're good. Absolutely. So, two, listen to this. Oh, by the way, so before we even get into anything, I got a correction to make. So last week I mentioned the 800,000 refugees since 9-11 coming into this country. I said mm-hmm. that 20 had been charged you know, hit with terrorism charges, which would be 2.5%. Completely wrong. And I, I realized that after the episode, I was like, idiot, that doesn't sound right. That's too high. And then somebody sent me a correction, I believe, on the um, the SoundCloud, which I do appreciate. It's actually 0.002% of refugees oh, since Christ, 9-11. Right. That's a big difference. I know. And that's why I'm correcting oh, you. Oh, my God. Orders of magnitude. I can never forgive you for this. I, well, come on, Joey. Just forgive me. Okay. Thank you. Um... Also, we got I got two quick Snapchats from Wade uh, in reference to Uber and Gorsuch we're going to talk about right now. Let me get up his Snapchat. He goes, hey, Chris, uh, just a little to add on the Uber uh, situation. We talked about it last week with Lyft donating a million dollars to the ACLU and, you know, people were pissed off at Uber. He says their surge pricing is strictly based on how many drivers they have compared to how many rides are being requested. Nothing to do with other taxi services. And on the particular night in question, which was the night that people were uh, protesting at JFK over the the, the immigration ban, he says um, Uber eliminated completely their surge pricing. So all prices were normal. He says he drives for Lyft and it's the same thing. But um, my input let me see. I'm having a hard time reading. Oh, there we go. But my input is the aspect that I imagine people uh, just trying to get home and they have been on a plane, not like, not that they know what the hell's going on. True. Yeah. People, I, I understand people being pissed yeah. off. They couldn't, get, you know, understandable. But we kind of defend, we defended Uber. It's like, I, I think I, I made that case. D- oh, did you? Yeah. I think that was me. Okay. Yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, he, go, he goes on to say, also with Supreme Court pick Neil Gorsuch, uh, my girlfriend goes to CU Law School. And where he is was a professor. One of her friends who was in his ethics class posted a very good message about him on Facebook. And, you know, she said that she, even though she disagreed with a lot of his thoughts, um, he was very open-minded and listened to every point of view. And no matter, you know, what their standing was, she even talked about how she tore apart one of his opinions and that actually got published. She got published for that piece. And he says, uh, I hope he gets confirmed. He could very well be a terrific choice. We'll see. I don't think we 
tore Gorsuch apart either. You know, uh, everything I've seen of the guy is that he's a brilliant jurist. He's a he sounds like a great. Like I disagree with I, I disagree with him. Right. But it sounds like he respects the dignity of the court. He has an understanding of what he's doing. Right. He's entirely qualified. It's just a matter of is it's all politics at this point about whether he gets confirmed. Yeah, and that's that was what we talked about. Yeah. I don't think he should get confirmed, but that really has nothing to do with him. Yeah, it's pol- it's all politics. Right. And I uh, I mean Mitch or Mitch McConnell back in the seventies, I remember he wrote a paper that was saying, Oh, politics should never be played with the Supreme Court and then he becomes the one to politicize it. Oh, well, I mean, come on. You know, I gotta, I, I'm yeah. glad I'm glad you kind of brought that point up because I feel like the liberal left is really trying to prove that a lot of these people are hypocrites, but they're not they don't they don't care. They're not shamed by that. Like you could try to catch them and like, well, last week you said, you know, the sky's blue, but this week you're saying the sky's green. They're like, no, I never they don't care. Yeah. Well, yeah. well it's sort of sorry, Joey. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it, it doesn't affect them in any way. It's like they're impervious to the facts. Yeah, they're not shamed. Like, so the idea of, of being like, well, they're hypocrites. They, you're right, they are, but they don't give a shit that they're hypocrites. And a lot of you know politicians on all sides. The, Obama ran on uh, gay marriage shouldn't shouldn't be legalized, and then and within a few years, it was like, yeah, of course that should be the law of the land. So like, that's hypocritical, right? It's like Hillary's done a lot of hypocritical stuff, and I'm not. You know, b- believe me, there's a big difference in a lot of ways between Obama and what's currently happening with the Republican Party. But that's the wrong tact. I feel like they don't care. You you can catch them in any kind of lie you want. It doesn't matter. That's not that's not the the strategy. Well, and so sort of what yeah. beco- sort of becomes the problem is is it the right thing for like I'm I'm having this constant debate of do I want the Democrats to sort of play the game as well as the Republicans do? Yes. If it sacrifices the morals and fuck it, yeah. it's politics. They're not. We're not electing. Jesus, we're not electing anybody. We're electing people that need to get shit done, and I want them to get shit done for me, not I mean, for the other side. So I mean, play as the a, fucking game. As a good Jewish man, I'd elect Jesus right now. He's a good socialist. I would elect Jesus too. Like he seems like a pretty pretty yeah. chill dude. He might have to update a few of his views on probably abortion. He wouldn't know much about. Well, whatever. But only if Jesus really listened to himself, as opposed to the teachings of his church, then I would vote for Jesus. If Jesus was like an evangelical, I wouldn't vote for him. <laughs> I feel like he wouldn't really give that care much, that much about dogma. No, Unless we're well, about he the wasn't. Smith movie. Yeah, he wasn't a. Yeah, he loved Dogma. He's a he, big yeah. Matt Damon fan. Joey, are you writing down titles? By the way, uh, I'm I'm trying to, but I only got one so far. Okay, that's you okay. Ready? We've only been talking for ten minutes. Sure. No, 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 no. no. I'm I'm gonna give it to you because you had to ask. A unique sound. Sure. Okay. Killing okay. it. That's a good. <laughs> crushing ass. Yeah, you did a good job. Um. All right, you ready to get on to the first topic here, boys? Yep. Yeah, let's do it. So brought to my attention by KT on Twitter. I assume her name is Katie, but I'm just going to say KT because that's her Twitter name. Uh, it's a Twitter account at Rogue POTUS staff, which obviously means Rogue President of the United States staff. Now, I didn't know about it until Katie sent it to me, so I appreciate it. But now that I look at it, I am following it, and it has 736,000 followers right now, almost 500 tweets. And basically, Joey, I asked you before we started, you you weren't familiar with it, right? No, not at all. I've never heard of anything like this. Okay. Well, so I'm assuming that other Samsonites might not know either. Basically, it's a Twitter account, and I have the bio here, and I'll just read the bio. The unofficial resistance team inside the White House. We will block anyone who asks us to ID ourselves, including press, or who makes suggestions of violence. So basically... It's supposedly a group of people that literally work inside the White House, the Trump White House, and tweet anonymously things that go on inside the White House. Like they're leaking information about behind the scenes, um, 
you know, goings on and different things that they're working on and kind of strategies and how they feel about stuff, which is interesting and fascinating, but I am going to say it right off the top. I do not have any evidence that this is real. There's no way to verify it. So Mm. you got to be very wary about this stuff. I'm, I'm well, making... well, if anything, if you ask me, it sounds unethical because they're supposed to be there protecting and being part of the staff, but then you're going to go behind your president and tweet stuff out. I, I, I think that's very damaging to them. Well, that's the idea, and I don't necessarily have a problem with that. If they want to keep people from, you know, putting information out, they got to figure out who it is and stop them. But that's not, you know, that's not my problem. If it's as long again, it's the same type of shit with like WikiLeaks. As long as it's true information. Um, I don't have a problem with it. The problem is here, it is unverifiable completely. It is hearsay. So, like, for example, here's a tweet from February 7th. Just, it's, this is just how it goes. And this was retweeted, you know, 6,000 times, favorited almost 20,000 times. Spicer, unhappy that he's been, quote, set up for failure. The president of the United States is furious that one of his, quote, men was portrayed by a woman, says it looks weak, referring to Melissa McCarthy playing Sean Spicer on Saturday Night Live. Now, which was great, by the way. It was fine. I mean, you know, it was fine. I I, I actually I tweeted the other day that I, I didn't laugh, but it's fine. I would start watching Saturday Night Live again if they brought Rosie O'Donnell in to play anyone. <laughs> uh, well, Bannon. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. Bannon for her. I, I think she already agreed. She said, like, if they asked me, I'm doing it. Right. Yeah, I mean, they should definitely do that, obviously. But, they should do the entire cabinet. With as many oh women my as God, possible. That'd be great. Yeah, of course. Uh, but anyway, so so, for example, that tweet... That could be true. There's no way to verify that at all. It just it's satisfying, I guess, to read it, but that's not. Uh, yeah, I can't prove that. So, and it, it just feels yeah. too, it feels too much like okay, they're trying to feed us feed liberals things they want to hear. Everything coming out of it is a liberal's wet dream of okay, this, if this is true, we can impeach them. Come on, it. Right. I'm, I'm until proven otherwise. I'm assuming it's entirely false. Yeah, I can't. I until right until they catch somebody doing this, then fine. Then we can look through it and go, oh, so it was I, real. But the, for example, here's another one. POTUS too preoccupied to meet with AIDS just yet. CNN is talking about him. Must watch, even though it's fake news. Well, maybe, but that's what we'd like to believe about him. And, you know what I mean? It could be true, but it, I have no idea. And every, all the tweets yeah. are very, are very believable, but not verifiable. So right, but they're completely unverifiable. That's yeah. the issue. So anyway, I just want to put that to your attention, guys. But in no way am I saying that that's the a real account. I have no idea. There's just no way. But I'll keep my eye on it. But until, you know, something happens or something is proven, then it's just a thing. It just, to me, it, it's the equivalent of a parody account. There's no way to really know. Yeah. Um. All right. So, but thank you to Katie for bringing it to my attention. I mean, I am following it. I'm kind of keeping my eye on it, but. Once again, you know, we, we don't know. There's no way to know. Unlike a WikiLeaks, which is emails. <laughs> it's really communications, and they're not getting sued, so it has to be true. You know what I mean? If there's something false in there, they'd, they'd get sued, and that'd be a huge problem. But. Well, and there's a face behind WikiLeaks. Yeah. Right. There is somebody that it's actually accountable for. So there's, there's, and you can't be sued for just saying things like this on Twitter. It's just Yeah, well, right, and that's the thing, because say they did get caught or whatever, you can just go, well, it's not real. We were just, you know, it's just it, fiction. It's a satire. Like, right. I, I would not be shocked yeah, if, it's in, a satire. if in two years we find out, oh, yeah, it's this random, it's some comedian. It's some guy trying to build his account and see what It could what be, happens. or it could be the Trump administration themselves, and then in a couple of months they're going to be like, you know, they'll make a big deal about it and be like, you all bought into this, but it wasn't even real. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't believe that just because I think they have too much of an ego to ever insult themselves. Yeah, maybe, but whatever. But, but again, yeah. hypothetical. Who can't? Yeah. It's like, it, 
Um, okay. So anyway, so that's just an interesting thing. Now, I found this out. So Leah Remini, who you know was on The King of Queens and all that stuff, very famous actress. Back in the day, she was on Saved by the Bell. She worked at the Malibu Sands Beach Club, and Zach Morris fell in love with her. Stacey Carosi, she played. Uh, that's a deep cut. Probably a few listeners on this podcast have no idea what I'm talking about. Joey doesn't know either. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, but anyway, so she was on, she's a famous former Scientologist and she left the church, quote, church, cult, whatever, and is now kind of on a big media tour and she had a show and she's like, trying to explain like all the damaging insanity that takes place in Scientology, which I highly recommend listening to the episode of Joe Rogan where he interviews her and she talks about it and you know, you can watch her show. It's very interesting stuff, but that's not really the point. Found out through that interview, though, Greta Van Susteren, the former Fox News correspondent, now MSNBC correspondent, which I find odd that they would bring her in. You mean the traitor? Well, well, hold on. Let me just say my point. So she's a Scientologist, according to her Wikipedia and Leah Remini. She's into Scientology. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird, right? It's like, oh, so she believes something completely, like, way wackier even than Christianity, you know? I mean, just so obviously wacky and occult and, like, dangerous. She's into it, but not to cast, you know, throw stones at her. Leah Remini was in it from childhood, essentially, so that's, I understand why she'd believe it. And apparently Greta Van Susteren's been in it for quite a, a long time, too, so... Whatever, man. People believe a lot of crazy shit, but it's just interesting that somebody who's a pretty prominent media figure is part of a cult, you know, that's obviously fake. Has she met Tom Cruise? I, yeah, I would assume so. Yeah. The, oh, man. Listen, listen to that Joe Rogan interview where Leah Remini's talking about Tom Cruise. It's insane, but I, I don't feel like getting into there. Yeah. And, and if the Church of Scientology listens to this, this might be the last episode. No, it's fine. They can go <laughs> fuck themselves. We're fine. I don't buy into it. I, you know? I just want to say that I'm open to all uh, viewpoints, and if anyone wants to, uh, there's a word for the thing that they do. What are they like, they like test you? Yeah, it's like a process, right? What do you want to get? That I'm totally done? down for it. You're very susceptible, yeah, in my opinion, um, to like being in a cult. Who me? Yeah, Joey. Don't. Yeah, I need someone to follow. I know. That's why. Yeah, I know. That's why. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. If somebody's listening that's a Scientologist and wants to call in and talk to us, we'd love to do that. But um, I'm, that's not going to happen. So, but anyway, I just want to bring that up. It's fucking weird, man. That Greta Van Susteren. Now back to the point that she's on MSNBC. It's good, I guess, because she'll be bringing on more conservative guests, which I'd like to, you know, hear their point of view. But I, she's the worst one over there. Greta Van Susteren. Hey, let me ask you, Senator. I find her very irritating. See, I don't just make fun of Hillary. Uh, um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so that that I find that annoying. Also, before we get into the next thing, the next thing we're going to talk about is Obamacare slash Trumpcare. Uh, we've got a bit of an update there. Um, I've added a few conservative or right-leaning websites to my book, you know, my bookmarks, kind of the stuff that I go through every week when I'm looking for information. I added Red State. Added Breitbart, one of them. I added Breitbart, which the only reason I'm looking at Breitbart is just to see what they're talking about. I'm not taking that as a legitimate news source, but Breitbart. I added Red State and The Daily Caller. Those are three that I added. Ooh. I also added ProPublica on the liberal side as well, or whatever, like the more, you know, mainstream side. So just letting you know, I'm thinking about adding. Do, a, do you have anyone center like dead center or no? 
Well, I have Reuters. I mean, I think Reuters is pretty center. Um, yeah, I mean, Vice News, I think, uh, is pretty accurate as to what they're talking about. I mean, I'll look at the AP once in a while, but... I mean, it tends to be news that is more fact-centered, and like Reuters is very fact-centered. NPR tends to be pretty good in those right. regards, even though it has a left uh, you know, left reputation, but it, yeah. they state facts if you listen to the news. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Fuck, what was I going to say, though? Oh, yeah, I'm thinking about adding a segment to the show where it's like the conservative point of the day or whatever. And it'll be like, is this, does, do they have a point? You know, like we'll take like a at face value, like conservative thing where it's like, well, that's nonsense, but is it? Maybe we'll do that. What do you guys think about that, Joey? We'll put some look into it. Maybe flush it out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> you're very uh, cheeky when you're at home. You're just relaxed. Yeah, I, I gotta lay in my bed like I'm a 17 year old girl. I mean, it, it's fun. Don't don't be sexist, Joe. Did you see the women's march? <laughs> uh, all right, you guys I ready? I did, and yeah. Hillary dropped the f bomb. We talked about this. Hillary dropped the f bomb. No, Madonna. Oh, Madonna did. You said Hillary. Yeah, I thought I heard Hillary. I'd I'm sorry. Madonna. Yeah, I'd love. You know, I'd pay to see Hillary drop the f bomb though. D- dumb blondes, it. dumb blondes. Oh wow, you are just <laughs> insulting the. Okay, uh, you Eight ready? Mal. Eight mal. You ready to get into this? According to a morning consult poll, 18% of respondents didn't know if Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act were the same or not, while 17% definitely thought they were different policies. That's 35% of people polled total who had no idea really that Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act were the same thing. Marketing, bad marketing. Well, or it's good marketing on the part of the Republicans People 18 to 29 years old who make less than $50,000 a year, quote, confusion was more pronounced. So the people that would have been definitely helped by this, lower income people and young people, have no fucking idea what's going on. And at a certain point, that really pisses me off because this is who it's supposed to affect. This is who it's designed to help. And you can't even... Pay attention long enough to realize that Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act are not the same thing, you fucking dum-dums. It really that pisses me off. a lot of people. Well, and there's also an active mis- misinformation campaign. I mean, why do you think the Republicans started from the beginning calling, calling this Obamacare? It's to brand this as, okay, we know Obama's evil, therefore we're going to brand it with his name and say, oh, look at this, Obamacare, it's a bad thing. Obama at the time said, oh, I, I, take, I take pride in the name. Obamacare is a good, like... He did all that, but at the end of the day, it's just this misbranding that if you just keep repeating the same thing over and over again and just feed them this propaganda, it'll eventually pay off and you're, by just telling them this same lie, they'll start to believe it. True, but it's also it's also a failure of our media because they picked it up and they kept calling it Obamacare instead of being like the Obamacare, also known as the Affordable Care Act. Like It takes seconds to be clear about what it actually is, So it, you know, because not everybody's listening to conservative media or listening to the conservative politicians a lot big percentage are but it's the job of the rest of the media then to to make sure that you're calling it what it actually is and if you read articles it's called the affordable care the new york times refers to it as the affordable care but that's fake news and that's some people don't even read that but it just annoys me because it's so frustrating that a lot of people 
probably if you ask them, do you want, do you like the Affordable Care Act? They'd probably say, yeah. And you go, do you like Obamacare? And they say, no. Well, congratulations. You elected somebody that's going to get rid of both because of the same fucking thing. And you really wasted a golden opportunity. Well, when I saw yesterday that like uh, 50% of Republicans didn't realize that by repealing Obamacare, you're going to get rid of the Medicaid expansion. Right. So of course. that's going to, yeah. a lot of people don't realize you're going to get hurt by this. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue. Listen to this. So now, according to the, uh, not the, according to health insurance consultants and lobbyists, Health and Human Services has submitted a proposal of new Affordable Care Act rules to the Office of uh, Management and Budget. These are the proposed new ACA rules, just a couple of them that the Republicans are already trying to change. And it's going to affect older people, which those are the people that actually need this again, and people that voted for Trump. So, okay, here's a couple of the rules. Insurers would have more, they're not the new rule change, but these are proposed ones and you would assume they're going to go through. Insurers would have more leeway to vary prices by age so that premiums for the oldest customers could be 3.49 times as large as those for younger customers. Today, premiums for the old can only be three times as high as premiums for the young, which is what the Affordable Care Act stipulates. According to sources privy to HHS discussions with insurers, officials would argue that since 3.49 rounds down to three, the change would still comply with the statute. So if I'm paying a dollar for insurance and older somebody who's 65 or whatever, or somebody that's not on Medicare, I guess at that point, right? It's somebody who's in their fifties or sixties before they yeah, get be on 50 there. To the yeah. Uh, they would be paying $3, but now they could actually be paying $3 and 49 cents more than I am because you know, that rounds down to three, which is such a fucking bullshit I mean, th- stipulation. But this sounds exactly like there's cling to the motto of it's close enough for government work. That sound it just feels, what do you mean? I mean, the idea of rounding down. Oh, sure. It's yeah. close enough for government work. That's bullshit. It's it, sorry. You don't round if if it says three in the in the law. It's three. Three is three. Right. right. Three is not three point zero one. It's not two point two point nine nine. Right. It's three. Second point: People who want to apply for coverage mid-year outside of open enrollment would have to provide documentation of quali- of a qualifying life change, such as a divorce or a lost job, before coverage begins. Which, by the way, let's guess how long that takes, right, to get that paperwork through. Presently, insurance kicks in for such people right away as soon as they apply for it, subject to verification afterward, which makes sense. So what? We covered yeah, no somebody. No coverage. Right. We covered somebody for three weeks and they don't deserve the coverage. Okay. Now we drop them or whatever. You know what I mean? The third thing. Insurers could cut off coverage for people who are more than 30 days late on premiums. Presently, lower and middle income customers who qualify for the lost tax credits get a 90 day grace period, but now it's going to be cut down to 30 days likely. So, you and know. you want to know why? That's the buddy buddies. So, anyone who would be a high risk, they just automatically get rid of them after one month. That is horrible. Right. And they're not going to put out information telling you that. <laughs> You no, know, not at all. The Trump administration canceled four million dollars of worth of advertising in the last week of open enrollment because they don't want people to enroll, and it did affect that. People didn't know about it; they didn't enroll uh, because it's had people that need Obamacare typically, like, or don't necessarily need it, but will benefit from it. It's younger kids, it's older people. They're not really, they're not paying attention. We know that. I do a lot of things last minute, and I'm sure a lot of people, eighteen to twenty nine, are like, "Oh fuck, I should probably get health insurance." I mean, last year I did, I went through this. I turned 26, and I had to go through the whole thing of getting off my parents' insurance and right. figuring out like what insurance am I going up to go onto it. It's it was stressful. It's like just not. Of know, course, I've never done this before. Yeah, no, it's so. an annoying process. I hate 
literally hate filling out forms. I mean, I hate procedural things just wrote like you got to fill in your name what's your social security like that stuff drives me insane and it may and i avoid it because i don't like to do it there's a lot of people like that and if you don't have the time if if they're not telling you that the fucking open enrollment is in its last week you're gonna miss it for sure because you probably put it off like a lot of people do all right well, well so my question regarding uh the having to need to provide the proof and have that go through the system what happens if you if the proof doesn't get processed before you would you would get, uh, get hit with the tax penalty. How will that affect the mandate? Ah, interesting question. I have no idea. But these are all things that you know are going to have to be meted out. But they're not going to do it. You know that's the problem. We've seen it with the fucking travel ban. But but so is it going to affect poor people in the sense that okay, you got fired. You're already struggling financially. You sign up for Obama. You sign up for the Affordable Care Act. You sign up for health care, and then well, you should have some kind of like unemployment insurance, right? Ideally, but yeah, but you it, have Cobra in yeah. most cases. Cobra is ex- absurdly expensive. Yeah, but you have it. Cobra, I mean, but you quit. You most people can't afford. I, like, I remember I lost a job one night. Cobra would have cost six or seven hundred dollars a month. Right. I can't afford that. Right, and who the fuck knows what it would actually cover? No, it, it, yeah, it's like I mean, it's I think it's the same. It's, the idea is it's the same coverage, but you're paying a ton of money out of pocket, and Cobra's right absurd. Right. It so, would it wouldn't just be easier if the second you were born you were covered. For life, that'd be so easy. Sure would. We'll just spread that debt around to literally everybody, and we'll just share the burden because we're all gonna get sick. We're all gonna die. Reality. And Although I might not. I'm working on something. But can I can't you please be it. a little bit more positive? That's very. It's, our listeners want to be upbeat and happy. That's. It's, come on, let's be happy. Joey, I just said that I'm working on not dying, but I can't get into it. You, you already have. It's the nanobots. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, you just got nanobots on here. Oh, nanobots. They're coming for you. They're coming for you to allow you to smoke more. I don't smoke at all, but I'd love to get them, um, you know, because then the second they can come in and just clean my lungs, I'm going to, I will never need another lighter because I'll light one cigarette and just keep lighting them butt to butt just like that forever because my lungs will be fine. Do you want to know what's crazy about the whole Obamacare thing with the advertising? The advertising was already paid for. It was paid for, and they still got rid of it. It wasn't their money. Obama had set money aside, and they just kicked it out like it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, that's $4 million of uh, tax money, I would assume, right? It's federal money. But it probably goes to people who over-support the Republican Party, so they don't care. Yeah. I mean, like it goes to advertising funds. Yeah, no. Well, anyway, all right, so that's the update there, but I, plenty more to come with, uh, you know, what is now going to be Trump care. Um, okay, Dakota Access Pipeline. On Wednesday, the Army Corps of Engineers formally granted Dakota Access the final permit it needed to drill under the Missouri River, which has been, you know, what's been at odds for this entire time and why the, you know, Standing Rock Sioux have been out there protesting and all these people have been out there because they are legitimately, I think, legitimately concerned that something is going to happen that's going to fuck up their water supply and it's going to damage, as though it already hasn't, it's going to damage their, you know, sacred lands. Um, A company spokesman for Dakota Access said, quote, we plan to begin drilling immediately. And to that end, many water protectors have returned for this final showdown, which, by the way, let's keep mentioning, will make the president of the United States richer because he is invested in Energy Transfer Partners, the company that is building the Dakota Access Pipeline. Now, now I'll be honest with you. Now would be the time for the veterans to come out and do what they did last time. To bust out the veterans and put them right on the front lines would be the most, like, 
the smartest thing you could do right now. And then have Trump go against the veterans. Do you know how bad that would look? It would look bad theoretically, but I hear you for sure. And I think I would assume there are, you know, those groups are going to be back out there. Um, He, they didn't seem to matter when he was the, he was the president elect and they were out there and he didn't care. They were like, no, they're traitors. Like they literally will turn, they will turn on those military people so fast. (laughs) Believe me, they will. There's no quick because they're like, well, look what he did to John McCain. John McCain, who's a guy I don't agree with a ton politically. I think he kind of goes back, you know, he, he plays both sides, whatever. But this is a guy who's been a lifelong public servant, a guy who was in the military, was tortured. Um, they threw him. I mean, Trump started his campaign essentially by being like, I don't like people that were tortured. I like people that, you know, whatever, whatever he said, they don't care. People who captured. Right. They only respect the troops and they only have, you know, reverence for the troops when they fit the model of what they believe soldiers should be, which is defending America and Patriots and all this stuff. But the minute that John Kerry throws his purple heart, uh, you know, in protest uh, to Vietnam over the, the white house wall, well, he's a fucking asshole. That's hippie liberal traitor. You know what I mean? So it just depends. Look at Bo Bergdahl. Look at Chelsea Manning. These are soldiers, but no, they're pieces of shit. Right? Well, so, yeah. So, so there, there's sort of an odd mix of like the Trump crowd that some of them are the ones who just believe whatever Trump say. Some are the, some are actually the, just people who want to stay out of uh, foreign affairs. They want to actually, they're isolationists. So therefore they don't support the, the military. Yeah. Good luck. Get, good luck get, with that. We're going to war. Yeah, you, you get some of that. But at the end of the day, I think it would make a difference because if there's still the middle ground, like states like West Virginia, states like Michigan, you get the middle-aged elder, elderly voters who do support the troops who do do, do care about these things. Those are the ones who... But support how? That's always the thing. We go, I support the troops. Why? They, because they because a- you put your hand over your heart during the, 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 the fucking national anthem? Like, there are people who would take offense to the fact that, you're, that you are just bashing the troops. Yeah, good. Well, that and a fucking dollar fifty gets me a cup of coffee. That's the problem. They, they, so what? So they'll get offended, but it doesn't matter because they're still voted for Trump. That, that's what I'm saying. Like that group of people, Trump said a lot of fucked up shit about the military. The generals don't know Dick. McCain's not a real war hero, blah, blah, blah. He bashes yeah. everybody. He's a, you know, and look, rightfully so, I probably would be too, but he was a draft dodger. He's a guy that deferred his military service and all this shit. And now he's some kind of tough guy that's like a military guy. He wanted to have tanks roll down uh, during his inauguration parade, literally. And they were like, yeah, we're not going to do that. That would look a little too fast. Seriously, he wanted tanks? Yeah, yeah he, he wanted tanks and like a 30-plane like flyover and all this shit. Yeah, he wanted a rocket launcher. He, he wanted a lot of he shit. He wanted the high-stepping... <laughs> he did. He really did. That's true. He, he wanted a military <laughs> review. He wanted what you see out of communist... Like, out of like launcher. Soviet Russia. Yeah, North Korea. That's what it yeah. looks like. So, but anyway, so my, my point is, these people that, you're right, will probably take... A, oh, no, I take offense but, to that. What, if you really support the troops, why don't you elect somebody that's not going to put them in fucking harm's way? Which but, 100%, we are, in my opinion, we will be at war within a couple of years. Well, look no at, question. Look at how well the raid on Yemen went, in Yemen went. Yeah, that that's a separate subject. But, I mean, yeah. I, but but I, 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 I is that Trump's fault really? Because he goes, let's do it. I, I mean, don't know. That's on the military to make sure it gets executed well, right? Uh, I mean, what like what I'm hearing is he basically he basically greenlit it because people. I know, but this is this is speculative. Maybe we'll yeah. get into it next. I don't really want to get into it because okay, yeah. I, I didn't like do as much research on it. But, but so, yeah, okay. But that's something to look into. But but my my, my point goes. My yeah. point in why why this matters. Looking forward, the Republican the Republican Party doesn't just care about that they won the last election. They're looking at two years from now. Oh sure. They want to try like if we want to take back the House, if we want to take back the Senate, you got to let let these people know that 
yeah, like you, you're a Vietnam veteran. Well, Trump hates. Trump doesn't care about the troops. He's bashing. He ba- is bashing people like this. He's doing all these things. Let people know he's against the troops. Well, it, that's where it matters. Yeah, is he against the troops? No, that's the thing. I don't think he's against the troops, but he's against again. I think the the mo with Trump is if you don't agree with him, he hates you. If you yeah. do agree with him, he you're fine. And you could change from Tuesday to Wednesday. He could hate you on Tuesday, and you go, ah, Mr. Trump, you know what? I was wrong. You're right. Uh, I'm with you on that. He'll go, okay, good. That's what I thought. And then you're fine. Like he's he's yeah. got this very, you know, whatever transient. But mindset about people, and I think that's that's the that's the key that liberals need to learn, is that you can get on this guy's side for two weeks if you have to, and then get off it. He'll get over it. <laughs> he will, I mean, uh, unless you're fucking the, the dumb, most, dumb Chris Christie, and then you get banished like an idiot. The, the most the most important thing is Trump's ego. Yeah, absolutely, and you got to you got to play to that. And that's but that's what I mean. It's not it's not shaming them. You're not going to shame him into doing shit. And that's you what, should praise you can praise him and probably get on his good side. And playing playing Trump's ego or how Bannon and Putin got into the inner circle. Right. Um. All right. Next thing. This is a big one. Oh, you know what? I apologize. So I got an email from Tamir. I wanted to read this. This is about um, Dakota Access. Hey, Chris, Joey, and Matt. Oh, is this the first email that's. I think I've been mentioned once or twice before. Okay, no, but they're like directly addressed to you. It's very nice. Uh, I'm listening to MSP 113 and wanted to lend my thoughts to the pipeline conversation. I find that my views on this seems to be a hybrid of the stances that Chris and Matt have taken. Like Matt, I do believe that the use of oil pipelines in this country are currently necessary due to our failure to invest in alternative energy sources in the past, as other countries worldwide have. It is an unfortunate requirement of America's current energy demands. Uh. My problem with this pipeline is not that it is needed or that one needs to exist, but rather with where they intend to put the pipelines and how they've gone about accomplishing this task. The blatant insensitivity of both the energy company and the Trump administration to choose to disrupt Native American burial grounds and sacred lands on top of their source of clean uh, drinking water is unconscionable at best if you choose to ignore the fact that the Standing Rock Reservation, just like every other reservation in America, was given to the tribe to not only atone for the past mistreatment of Native Americans in this country, but also to restore a part of the land that particular tribe was entitled to as a sovereign nation. It is astounding yet unsurprising that U.S. government continues to marginalize an ethnic group of people that has already survived being displaced from their ancestral homelands and numerous attempts at genocide, both traditional and paper. It is my opinion that both social and cultural awareness, as well as an upgrade to our nation's oil pipeline infrastructure, can be achieved. In order to accomplish this, any new pipeline that is needed, especially ones intended to replace uh, older, outdated pipes, should be built directly beside an existing line. That I gotta disagree with. I, I don't think that's a good idea because that's not. Is that you? You know probably better than I do. I mean, my assumption here is that I have to imagine the comp- like this company. I'm sure they've looked into the alternatives, and there has to be a reason they're doing it in this land because I'm sure they're, I'm sure there's affected the company's stock. I'm, well, it's cost effective, right? It's got to be the most cost effective thing. What? And I'm, they probably have to go into the Missouri River somewhere and ultimately it's probably about where they can get land. I mean, unless you're going into eminent domain issues, it gets more difficult. Well, I just mean even as far as building the pipeline next to other pipe, like that defeats I mean, the purpose probably, right? Of why they would do it. Like no, I, I understand mean, why they wouldn't. I, I don't see how it uh, would defeat the purpose. I'm just saying like if they, if, like he's essentially saying like if they, if it's just to replace a pipeline or, or you need to get like put it where you already know a pipeline is okay to be just build it right next to it but I, I, I don't think they would do that they want more pipelines they're not really worried about replacing infrastructure you know no I mean I think I, I don't think there's an issue with putting it next right next to it it might be 
tough building. It might probably, be. Right? It might. Yeah, I mean, it might take up more land. It might be. There might be a few points that make it that almost impossible to do. Right. I don't know the exact logistics. I haven't looked into what the restrictions are. I'm not sure if there's a regulation barring that. Right. Or it could be that all the pipelines they own happen to be going to one place. Uh, I guess most pipelines are going to go down to Houston or the Gulf Coast somewhere where the refineries are. I don't. I don't know the actual answer. I'm just assuming that. This has been such a headache for this company. I'm assuming they had to have looked looked into other alternatives. Yeah, they can't. This can't have been their first choice to right. have this big of a fight. And if they had an easy alternative, I'm sure they would have taken it. Sure. Uh, Tamir continues. This would eliminate further disrupting any other culturally significant lands in the future, while only threatening the environments that already are put in danger from the existing lands. Also, culturally and historically significant lands should be completely off limits to all forms of energy production and transport infrastructure. Yeah. Well, I completely agree with you, but. That's not the situation we're in. And actually, we're going backwards because we've talked about Republicans trying to devalue federal land with the idea of selling it off or returning it to the states, which would lead to, uh, you know, much more drilling, I believe. Um, This, at least in my mind, would allow the maintenance and in some cases expansion of this infrastructure could take place while adding as little environmental, cultural and historic disruption. Let me know what you think. I think we did let you know what we think. I appreciate the email, Tamir. Thank you. You're always a... um, you know, a steady listener of the show, and I, I appreciate when you uh, write in. We appreciate that. If anybody else wants to get in touch, mandatory Samson at gmail.com. You can also go on soundcloud.com slash mandatory Samson, and you can leave a comment on the episode there, and we respond to those. By the way, guys, I'd love it uh, if you guys would go on iTunes, leave a nice comment on there, and leave us a nice rating. That'd be great. Well, I was just going to add uh, to... Uh, as a, another thing on what I just said, yeah, I could be wrong in the sense that perhaps they didn't think the, the Dakota access, access would be that big of an issue. They thought, okay, this is just no one cares about the Native Americans. We'll build it here. Oh, absolutely. And sure. they, they, they went through the whole permitting process, put, invested so much money into doing this. Then all of a sudden they get to this protest and think, uh-oh. Yeah, because they're $3.5 billion right. in yeah, now. Yeah, right. like once, once they spend enough money, then okay, maybe we should have thought an alternative and right. maybe this was a lack of foresight. And who knows? I, I'm not the expert. On no, that I, I hear you. Well, by the Here's way, a so, question go now. Ahead, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. No, uh, easy question. If it's a matter of money, couldn't we just say, you know what, the government always subsidizes it? Why doesn't the government just give them money for the property and say build around it and just and give them another billion dollars? It's going to be taxpayers' money eventually, anyway. Well, it'll be taxpayer money on the cleanup. This is a private you venture. Can't write it with it. Yeah, but this is a private venture, though. That's the thing. The problem that we're encountering then is that you're putting the federal. Uh, it's essentially federal land, right? Like native land is controlled by the, uh, I forget, you know, the budget, whatever, land management or whatever it is. Um, or I think there's like a Native American Affairs or Indian yeah, Affairs yeah. Bureau or something like that. But anyway, but it's still technically federal land. So the problem is when you have a guy in office, which is what I was going to say, when you have somebody who's invested in this. As the head of the federal government, now you're at odds because you have a private company where the federal government should be protecting the rights of the Native Americans and their historical land and and all that stuff. But they are likely not going to because the president stands to gain from this pipeline being built. So you're you're at this weird conflict of interest, which we're going to talk about at the end of the show. This is obviously one that for sure matters. Um, And I was going to say, let's keep it in mind the way we when we talk about Brock Turner, a convicted rapist as opposed to saying Stanford swimmer or whatever. When we talk about Dakota access, always say, which by the way, the president has money invested in, like has a vested interest in make that very clear because this is an obvious problem. 
you know, this is something that should not be happening to begin with. And then even more so that the the president is invested in it, I think is it's just insane. It's I mean, disgusting. I, I think rather whether or not he was invested in it, he, it's still the kind of thing he'd still greenlight. Definitely. But, definitely. but more to Joey's point is it's a dangerous game when the government starts giving money for a private adventure's mistakes. And then yes. what, it becomes very much, okay, uh, what have you done for me lately that's going to make me... That's going to make me actually invest in your company. Right. Well, and then they can build it, yeah. that into their budget as well, Joey. That's the other thing. They can go, hmm, well, this would cost like $4 million if we do it, or whatever, $4 billion if we do it this way. But if we do it this other way, we can only spend $2 billion, and then maybe the government will pitch in another billion to, to correct the mistake, you know, yeah. because we're already so far in. Yeah. So you don't want to make that, you know. A precedent. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And we had, the, we, had, we had TARP, which was a huge government investment in the banking industry, but it's not, that's not something that we should be doing on a regular basis, and it's still debatable. In my view, too big to fail. Should, if you're too big to fail, you're too big, and you need to not exist. We need to break up the banks and never again let taxpayer money go to support these large financial institutions who make their money on the backs. All right, Bernie, relax. Um, all right. I, I swear I wasn't trying to set you up on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know what? It just flows out of me sometimes. So I just have to do it. Um, on Wednesday, Alabama Senator Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III was confirmed as the Attorney General of the United States 52 to 47 along a basically party line vote, save for Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who did vote to confirm the new AG. And I have a quote from Manchin. He says, you know, in West Virginia, we basically build on a relationship if we have a relationship. And Jeff Sessions and I have had a relationship for over six years. And everything he was accused of, I've never seen. So I'm basing on what my knowledge of Jeff Sessions is. And I think he'll be fair and very deliberate in what he does as attorney general. Two things. One, if you're a Democrat in West Virginia, you vote against Joe Manchin when he's primaried, almost assuredly. Uh, he will wow. be primaried. You vote against him because he shouldn't be confirming Jeff Sessions. Are you fucking kidding me? Secondly, I don't like your down-home nonsense reasoning for voting for Joe Man, uh, Joe voting for Jeff Sessions. You know, in West Virginia, we basically build on a relationship. Oh, do you? Do you sit on the porch and drink sweet tea? Shut the fuck up. You're a senator and this is a nonsense vote and you shouldn't have made that vote. Period. You're not going to get away with it by just being like, well, I known the man, so I got to vote for it. Shut, shut the fuck up with that. Your colloquial bullshit. Stop it. No, you, you, no, no. See, I, I think you're totally misjudging this. Yeah, you do. You have a person who is the 34th governor of West Virginia from 2005 to 2010. He had a personal relationship with this man and on indication show that he is capable of this job and showed no signs of racism. That's not so true. That means is that's not true. <laughs> that is completely that untrue. He He's shown signs of racism. Just because Joe Manchin personally hasn't seen him be racist doesn't mean that In he... Yeah, but that's but that's different. That's crazy. So do you think that a lot of people personally saw Jared Fogle uh, you know, sleep with kids? No, but he was. So it doesn't mean he's not a racist. It just means you didn't catch him being racist. That's not the same fucking thing. It's such a stupid argument, especially when you got the rest of the Democratic Party being like, yeah, we can't get this guy. I mean, he's a goddamn, he's racist. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. He's got a track record. You label someone a racist, uh -huh. right? You label someone a racist. Right. That's based on what they've said. Correct. Or done? No, he's had he's been a senator in Alabama. Well, has Sessions like is there like identifiable 
factual evidence that Jeff Sessions has wrote opinions that were racist. Well, yeah, he was a judge. Well, th- this is a good segue kind of into it. He was up for a federal judge judgeship in 1986, and he was denied that judgeship. And this at the time, obviously, Reagan's the president. Coretta Scott King, Martin Luther King's widow, wrote a letter and a big statement to, I guess, Strom Thurmond at the time, uh, saying why she opposed Sessions becoming a federal judge, which he ultimately was denied that ability. And she laid out in the statement, we're going to read her letter, and I'll explain why we're going to do that in a minute. Um, But in her statement, she lays out a number of different things that he did that were clearly racist, that were biased against, uh, you know, black people in Alabama at the time or, you know, and, uh, it it was very clear. She lays out a very clear case. Now there's been a lot of that. You could do more reading about it, but Sessions is obviously a guy who has used biased logic in the past and potentially maybe he's a racist. Maybe he's not a racist. It doesn't matter. You can look at the actions that he took and you go, Oh, well that's obviously slanted towards, uh, you know, against black people and more towards a white majority. So Senate majority leader, Mitch McConnell invoked a rarely used Senate rule 19 to silence progressive Democrat Elizabeth Warren on Tuesday night while she was reading a letter Coretta Scott King wrote in 1986, denouncing sessions bid to become a federal judge like I mentioned, oh, it's not convenient. Yes. Meanwhile, he was not confirmed. Now, Senate Rule 19 reads in part, and this is the part that they used, I think, to silence Elizabeth Warren. Meanwhile, when they invoke this rule, she is not only not allowed to, she's just not allowed to participate then in any more debate regarding sessions. So if this went on for like three more weeks, they wouldn't, she wouldn't have been allowed to talk, which, okay, that's insane. This is Senate Rule 19. No senator in debate shall, directly or indirectly, by any form of words, impute to another senator or to uh, other senators any conduct or motive unworthy or unbecoming a senator. So basically, it's like, you can't talk ill of another senator on the Senate floor. That's one of our rules. Meanwhile, give me a break. Like, we've never heard that happen. And also, how is reading a letter... By Coretta Scott King, which lays out the racist past of Jeff Sessions from the time when he was denied the judgeship. So a letter that actually contributed to him rightfully in 1986, not getting the job. How is that now somehow out of bounds and not something that that Elizabeth Warren would be allowed to say? Meanwhile, meanwhile, four more senators were allowed to read it the next day. So this is just a game they're playing to try to shut down Elizabeth Warren, who's, uh, you know, a pretty staunch conservative voice staunch conservative oh excuse me progressive voice uh this is how it went down there's a minute clip we're going to play and then we're going to read the letter because why not they don't want you to hear it so we're going to read it this is elizabeth warren uh being interrupted by mitch the living turtle mcconnell uh on the floor of the senate and he invokes rule 19 that eventually silenced her so here we go they are Mr. President. The Majority Leader. Senators impugn the motives and conduct of our colleague from Alabama as warned by the chair. Senator Warren, quote, said Senator Sessions has used the awesome power of his office to chill the free exercise of the vote by black citizens. I call the senator to order under the provisions of Rule 19. Mr. President. 
Senator from Massachusetts. Mr. President, I am surprised that the words of Coretta Scott King are not suitable for debate in the United States Senate. I ask leave of the Senate to continue my remarks. Is there objection? Object. As McConnell objected. Object objection is heard. The senator will take her seat. I appeal the ruling of the chair, and I suggest the absence of a quorum. The clerk will call the roll. So anyway, so that's okay. So that's a weird, like, <laughs> kind of uncomfortable thing to watch. It's odd, and it's uh, it's blatantly obvious what they're doing, right? They just don't want Elizabeth Warren out there talking, and it's kind of a stupid thing. And but I've but I've seen people go, well, they're going to be. This is shameful that they did this. It's not shameful because. We've talked about it before. A big percentage, uh, not a big percentage, but a percentage of the Republican base is racist, right? And likes the fact mm -hmm. that they shut down a progressive while she was reading the words of, you know, King's widow. That's a, that's not a fucking, we, we don't have to read much more into that. It's pretty obvious why they do that. Now, this is Coretta Scott King's letter denouncing Jeff Sessions' federal judgeship bid. Dear Senator Thurman, I write to express my sincere opposition to the confirmation of Jefferson B. Sessions. Meanwhile, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. That just sounds like he owns the people, third. Right? The, the third. The third. I mean, Jefferson, the, the first probably didn't. Beauregard. Senior was probably just building the empire. Didn't own anyone yet. Then. Yeah, but somebody along the line did. Uh, I write to express my sincere opposition to my to the confirmation of Jefferson B. Sessions as a federal district court judge for the Southern, Southern District of Alabama. My professional and personal roots in Alabama are deep and lasting. Anyone who has used the power of his office as a United States attorney to intimidate and chill the free exercise of the ballot by citizens should not be elevated to our courts. Now, she's referencing, I guess, some kinds of, you know, poll test or whatever to try to keep black people from voting. So that's one of the examples. But her statement that is attached to this, which we're not going to read, it's many pages long, really goes into it much more deeply than that. Uh, Mr. Sessions has used the awesome, awesome powers of his office in a shabby attempt to intimidate and frighten elderly black voters. For this reprehensible conduct, he should not be rewarded with a federal judgeship. I regret that a longstanding commitment prevents me from appearing in person to testify against this nominee. However, I have attached a copy of my statement opposing Mr. Sessions' confirmation, and I request that my statement, as well as this, be made a part of the hearing record. I do sincerely urge you to oppose the confirmation of Mr. Sessions. Sessions was not confirmed in 1986. Fast forward 30 years, and I guess all is well, all is forgotten. What happened? What happened, right? Did he change his mind? I don't think so. We're just not... We're just allowing racism now though because yeah, it's in it's in vogue yeah i mean back then it was we're closer to the civil rights act people yeah had to hide their true intentions is that amazing closer. though that it's like the closer we were the easier it was to get to, like he was avoided they did not make him a federal judge now it's like well we gotta you know well i mean we gotta let it go there's it just there's such a tense racial history and i, I recently watched the uh, documentary 13 or 13th on, oh yeah uh, you Netflix. told me that tell me tell and, me a little bit about it. i mean it's just a very good very good documentary that goes into the racial history but right uh ava I mean, duvernay it, right? it's called the, the thir uh, 13th because i hadn't actually read the writing of the 13th amendment that everyone thinks is oh it just frees slaves right it what it actually says is it frees you it, your slavery is illegal unless you've been convicted of a crime <coughs> you can see how that's been a tool to enslave, oh, sure. to 
keep people lock people in prison. That's why we have some the, such a large portion of our black population goes to prison. Right. It's a def- the, it's a default way to put people back in bondage. That's G- really what it is. Jim Crow never really ended, basically, and Jeff right. Sessions is the embodiment of that. Sure. And uh, but but he's the Attorney General of the United States. Yes, exactly. And that's why I think we need to actually people need to pay attention to these things. And yeah, racism is still there. We need it's. We had a black president. We made progress, but that there's still that writing the Thirteenth Amendment. That's absolutely. And let me let me tell you this. Pay attention to how Democrats handled this. I think they did pretty well. I mean, they really didn't legitimately have a chance. I don't think to stop, you know, Sessions or Tillerson or any of these people because or DeVos because the Republicans hold the tiebreaker because Pence is the vice president. And- the Democrats have been uh, two nights in a row. They were on the Senate floor stalling this and trying to make sure that they get the votes against him and, and really keep the debate open it forces the Republicans to put their money where their mouth is and, and get these people into, uh, you know, get them confirmed. But the Democrats did do something. That's the thing. Like you, you often hear like, well, both sides are, but well, no, they, they actually did try to stop this, but there was, they got to a point where they could not stop it. So, well, and I mean, yeah. I, I have to respect, uh, Senator, Senator on Betsy DeVos, uh, Murkowski and Collins. DeVos. DeVos. I, I can't pronounce that properly. Um, uh, Murkowski and Collins did f- end up flipping. Yeah. But I read some wild spec. It's again, wild speculation, just saying that there's a good chance that they actually went and talked to Mitch McConnell beforehand and said, is it okay if we do this? That way we kind of need to uh, appeal to our, our voters and w- without permission, do they really flip or, yeah, or would there be retribution by McConnell? Do I care? That's the question. Do I care? Like, good. Represent your voters. You know but, what I mean. But was that just a th- something by the Republicans mm. to say? Okay, look, we some of us have a soul, but we're not going to actually give you a chance. No one's actually going to break ranks without permission. Right. I don't know, but I don't. You know, I don't necessarily care. It would have been interesting if a third, you know, came out of. But the that's what I'm saying. Was there ever a chance of a third break? Rank? Probably not. Realistically, no. You know, a lot of these people—they're all going to get confirmed because yeah. they, we just don't have the votes. Democrats don't have the votes, and this is why people have to go to the go to the ballots because you, we have control of nothing here, and it's going to be a terrible two years. It's going to be a, just a terrifying two years, people. Well, we'll see. Uh, uh, all right, you ready to do a travel ban update, Joey? You good over there? Yeah, I'm great over here. Can I ask you what are you wearing right now? I have my robe on. It's nice and black. You have your robe on, but what else do you have on? Yeah. That's just my robe. Oh my god! <laughs> this, you know, I can't say how many times I've gone to Joey's house. Well, like he knows I'm coming. It's not like I just show up unannounced, and he's just in a robe, and he's not wearing anything under it. But it's a nice robe. I see men wear robes. Trump doesn't apparently. There's apparently there's a story that came out in the New York Times that was like, you know, Trump kind of just like roams around the White House, like watches TV, wears his robe. Just he doesn't have much to do at night because like Melania's. Melania is not there. Uh, and then the next day they came out and were like, he doesn't even own a robe, so I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, <laughs> like, like what's, the, what's the big deal? Well, like, like, that's the crux of the article. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't own a robe. Right. They're right, exactly. Yeah, that was the point. Right. Not that he just wanders around aimlessly and watches cable news, but yeah. Um, all right. Travel ban update. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco Sunday morning denied the Trump Department of Justice's request for an immediate reinstatement of the travel ban. Meanwhile, the sitting U.S. president on Saturday lashed out a U.S. District Judge James Robart of Washington State for temporarily blocking the travel ban, and I have those tweets here. Then now, okay, well, let me just read the tweets, and then we'll talk about it. 
The opinions of the so-called judge, which essentially takes law enforcement away from our country, is ridiculous and will be overturned. What is our country coming to when a judge can halt a Homeland Security travel ban and anyone, even with bad intentions, can come into the United States? Because the ban was lifted by a judge, many very bad and dangerous people will be pouring into our country. A terrible decision. The judge opens up the country to potential terrorists and others that do not have our best interests at heart. Bad people are very happy. So that's Trump tweeting from his own personal Twitter account uh, about a judge calling him a so-called judge, <laughs> like apparently acting as though federal judges don't have any authority, but they obviously yeah, do, sir, because they shut down your travel ban. I, I would just love to see Gorsuch's thoughts. Gorsuch did comment on on Trump lately, didn't he? Yeah, Gorsuch said that it's uh, – I forget his exact quote, but essentially he was – Excuse me. He was like, this is damaging, you know, like, or, or it's disheartening, I think is the word he used. Because, I mean, Gorsuch, at the end of the day, belie- is, he believes in the dignity of the court, and he, that's, I mean, I gained, I gained a little respect for him him on that quote, but. Sure. Yeah, it's nicely said it. Joey, thoughts on this? I, it, it's, it's a very slippery slope, because he's saying that, well, like, it could lead to how the judge got to that seat, or if the judge was appointed, or whatever it may be that it's not a viable judge. You can't say so-called, you know, that's a judge, that's the whole point. He's, he's like, uh, well, what, like undermining the judge's authority as well. Yeah, 100%. Well, and he did this with, um, I can't think of the judge's name now, but the one that was ruling, you know, over the um, Trump University stuff because he was, a, yeah. he was a, a, of Mexican descent or Hispanic descent. And Trump was like, this is ridiculous. Like, he can't be unbiased. He's they they tr- but that is the goal I think of this um, you know this administration ban and whatever delegitimizing people who are legitimately in power you know what I mean it's, if you be if you say judges that disagree with you are just biased or are so called or whatever you try to take the uh, the the legitimacy out of what they're doing but there's then then you become the only authority you know which is obviously dangerous but it's you know, grants you tremendous power if you can do that. Um, yeah, that's what he's doing here. And it's, it's a complete undermining of our system. Like not everybody that disagrees with you can be by Like obviously the, the, the travel ban was not rolled out correctly. And John, I think it's John Kelly or whatever. One of Trump's uh, senior people, he came out and was like, yeah, I really should have, you know, I, I'm taking the blame for it, even though, you know, he's taking a bullet for Trump, but he's going, I should have taken uh, more time to roll this out. Like we should not have just rolled it out. So yeah. the, the administration itself even acknowledges that there was problems with the rollout, obviously. <laughs> um, and it's not something that's really even constitutional or should be in place, but yeah, it's dangerous when a judge can't do his job without the fucking president tweeting that he's basically an illegitimate judge, which by the way, doesn't that sort of send a message to a certain percentage of people of like, go do something to the judge. Ooh. Right, like you're 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 saying this so-called judge, this person that we've given power to, shouldn't have that power because he's doing something wrong. He's hurting us. He's endangering us. There's a percentage of people that are like, we got to do something about that. And how, people are going to hear Second Amendment solutions. Yeah, exactly. To, to, right. to a man who can rule on the Second Amendment. Right. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it just that puts the idea out there of like, 
Listen, there even pe- there's people in this government that we can't trust and are working against us. We need to do something about them. What do you do? You know, there's people that have those those thoughts of like, well, I know what I could do. Is, is it, yeah, it's not good. It's just a dangerous path to go down. Absolutely, yeah, but they're so far down it. They're 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 into it. That's part of the strategy. Here is a video of Sean Spicer uh, talking about paid protesters as it relates to the travel ban. On keeping this country safe, do you sense that instead of being an organic disruption, do you sense that there's an organized pushback and people are being paid to protest? Oh, absolutely. I mean, protesting is. Being- oh, absolutely. He says, "There's not even a question." Yes, no. None of the people that went out to protest anymore are like legitimate protesters. They're just paid to. Pro- oh, absolutely. This is a right wing fucking nonsense about George Soros or whatever that he's just paying what millions of people to go out and protest. Do you know how much money that would take? Even though he's a billionaire, what are you going to pay them? $8 each? No, you'd have to pay them hundreds of dollars or a hundred. Like get the, get fucking real. Are you crazy? Do you sense that instead of being an organic disruption, do you sense that there's an organized pushback and people are being paid to protest? Oh, absolutely. I mean, protesting has become a profession now. They have every right to do that, don't get me wrong, but I think that we need to call it what it is. It's not these organic uprisings that we've seen through the last several decades. That the, you know, the Tea Party was a very organic movement. This is becoming... I like that he goes the last the several decades. The only one he can mention is the Tea Party. Occupy Wall Street was out there. The women's thing, the women's march that's a protest and people that are at jfk that's a pro these are all legitimate protests that have happened over the you know and, and the tea party also has strong ties to various companies and of course places like alec and the, the republican wing it's yeah there's strong ties there so to say that's organic is right no I, of course it's silly but but also then now again joey this goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago it's delegitimizing things that are legitimate absolutely the thing is, is like a pray for... Joey, close your robe. God damn it, I can mind. see. I can see through your robe. What? <laughs> your robe is open, I can tell. No, you can't. What the hell are you talking about? Listen, <laughs> he's insane when he says it's a paid profession. Who's paying them? Like, he, he's totally out of his mind. Yeah, well, and look, there are, for what, sure... What, bucks an hour they're getting to protest? Well, That's a great job. I would love that job. Yeah, well, I mean, look, union workers have been paid, you know, like, they get overtime pay to go do some protesting sometimes, things like that, but it's not... To, to just couch all protests that have happened as, like, other than the Tea Party, as ones that are just... Yeah, I mean, it's a professional, blah, blah, blah. Okay. The, it's crazy. When we know for sure there are agent provocateurs that are involved in protests where the government will send people in or different groups get paid, like anarchist groups, to go in and cause problems. Oh, the uh, oh yeah, the Ferguson protests, those were those were paid protesters out there? That's what that was? That's another one that comes to mind. Well, really? really? Well, Absolutely, yeah. And, and this is from the well, state... Flint. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, Flint. Of course. Right. Any amount of protest. He's just saying all of them, except for the Tea Party, are like paid protests. They're not organic. And, Fuck you. And this from the same administration who is putting plants into into Trump's speeches, like at the CIA, so that people right. actually laugh and clap. Right. Like you, And you're accusing people of paying people to be, to go somewhere? Really? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's truly... A wild accusation that's just trying to make it... Every lie they can tell... People, people just have this idea, oh, it can't all be lies. Yes, it can. Yeah, a lot of it can be. Like, I mean, it, most of it it's, is. There's a lot of lies. and don't. It's not the law of averages here. Right. Well, and also I saw today on CNN, they called uh, somebody out for something. 
And they refer to it as like, I think the president again is uh, not, not set on his facts or something or like off on his facts. Can we just say lie? Like it's good that they're calling him out, but when you hear somebody say off on facts, it just softens it. Say lie. There's no reason to go. Oh, he's off on his facts. Cause that implies like maybe he got some of it right. No, he's lie. A lie is a lie. It's a lie. Right. Well, he said the other day that the murder rate in this country is, is at a 47 year high, right. which is factually false. It's a, uh, it's a lie. Yes. It's a and, lie. And then Kelly on Conway goes, I don't even know where he got that from. <laughs> right. Well, the, coming from her who created a massacre that didn't exist. Yeah. She referred to the Bowling Green Massacre, not a real thing. Isn't that amazing? Could you imagine, like, at what point do you get to where you just go, I'm just going to say whatever I want? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter well, what doesn't matter what I say. People are, just, you know, they can call me a liar. They can say whatever. But that, that again, that's what we've been talking about. There is no shame anymore. You, you, they, they just have completely shirked shame. Well, I I can't remember what it was, but I know there's something something else that was entirely made up by the administration this week. A lot. They talk, <laughs> they they make a lot of shit up. But but just I mean that's, that uh, it was in line with the whole made up massacre, just making up these things that just didn't happen. Yeah, just aren't true. Right. Just killing me. I can't remember what all it right, was. Well if you think about it, you jump in. Here all right, so this is the next thing I want to get we got two things here that I want to get into. So this is the uh Putin interview, or not the Putin interview, it's it's the O'Reilly interview over Super Bowl weekend. Trump is talking about Putin. I want to play that because it's in. I feel like the Putin Russia stuff has kind of fallen out of the uh, the zeitgeist a little bit. But this is an odd response from Trump. That again, it's not necessarily something that I can point to and go, "Aha, we got." But but you hear it, and you go, "Well, that's a that's a strange way to respond to that question, especially not even coming from an oppositional person. It's coming from Bill O'Reilly who." you know, uh, is better than Hannity, but is still a guy on Fox News who's obviously a conservative guy and is not there to catch Trump in anything. It's just an odd, it's an odd thing to, to say. So we're going to play this clip in a minute. Um, and then I have a Russia, a quote from Russia as well. But let me, let me tee this up. Joe, did you know what I'm talking about as I'm teeing this up? Did you hear this, watch this interview or anything? Um, I've seen the the clips of it. So I, I have a little acknowledgement of it. Okay. So anyway, this is Trump talking to Bill O'Reilly uh, on Super Bowl Sunday about Russian President Vladimir Putin. Here we go. Last week. You had a busy week last week. A pretty busy week. Um, yeah. Busy week and a half. Do you respect Putin? I do respect him. Do you? Why? Well, I respect a lot of people, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get along with him. He's a leader of his country. I say it's better to get along with Russia than not. And if Russia helps us in the fight against ISIS, which is a major fight, and Islamic terrorism all over the world, right. major fight, that's a good thing. Will I get along with him? I have no idea. It's He's very a possible killer, I though. Won't. Putin's a killer. A lot of killers. You got a lot of killers. Why, you think our country's so innocent? What? Why would that be your response? Not like, it's just odd to me because that he, good. Because he's referencing Obama and the drone list. He is and he isn't. I, right. I understand that. But I don't. But my point being, though, to go for a guy who wants to make America great again and like, I love this country and it's all going to be America first and whatever. It's weird when O'Reilly goes, yeah, why do you respect Putin so much? He like murders journalists and 
people that are political enemies of his just end up dead and poisoned. And it's pretty obvious that there's a connection between going against Putin and ending up dead. Uh, like personally, you know what I mean? Like tr- Putin personally <laughs> seems to be involved in the deaths of people who are, uh, you know, opponents of his. There's a big difference between that and being like, well, we have a drone program, which I understand like Obama is the, has the last word on, you know, saying yes or no to drone strikes, but that's there's a that, there's an order of it's a, separation there. It's military action. It's not right. assassinate. It's not covert assassination. Right, and it's also again just weird generally to go. Well, Russia's bad. Go yeah, but we're bad too. What we're bad? Like Russia's bad? What do you mean? Why, why try to say? Why try to elevate Russia above us? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Or whatever. Downgrade us to you know yeah. whatever the case may be. I right. Mean, at the end of the day, you should be trying to say, oh, we're America. We're like, you're the president. You should be rah, rah, America. Yes. Yeah, sometimes we don't rise to our highest ideals, but I certainly think there's a difference between us and what Russia and Putin does. Putin is a dictator. Like Putin is a, is fr- like marginally close to just being the indefinite ruler of Russia. You oh, know what I mean? He's pretty much a totalitarian. That's what I'm saying. And- so it's crazy that, that, that roadkill hair over here thinks that. You know, it makes sense to be like, what, you think we're so innocent? I'm going to go back because O'Reilly's silence is uh, speaks very loudly. Here we go. Will I get along with him? I have no idea. He's a killer, I though. Won't. Putin's a killer. A lot of killers. You got a lot of killers. Why, you think our country's so innocent? You think our country's so innocent? <laughs> O'Reilly gave one of those. Like, you know when you kind of, like, raise your shoulders a little bit, like, tilt your heads aside, like... Yeah, but yeah, no, he was like, you know, like one of those, like if if he said something, it would have been like, yeah, but (sighs) I'm trying, I'm I'm throwing you a curve. I could give you a softball here, man. Just just hit it into the dirt. 10 seconds. Then we'll, uh, we can keep talking. I don't know of any government leaders that are killers. Take a look at what we've done too. We've made a lot of mistakes. I've been against the war in Iraq from the beginning. Mistakes are different then. A lot of mistakes. Okay. But a lot of people were killed. So. Okay, so anyway, so so right, he deflects that, and like maybe he means it that way, but it's again, it's just very weird all the shit with Russia, and like what? An, could you imagine the uproar if on Super Bowl Sunday, our highest holiest holiday in America, Barack Hussein Obama, when he was asked about Iran, like, do you respect the Iranian whoever you know, Ahmadinejad or whoever you want to say, Rwani, and he goes, yeah, I do respect him, yeah, but they, he's a killer. Well, look, we got a lot of killers. Could you imagine the outrage? What are your thoughts on the Ayatollah? Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. If he goes, yeah, I respect the Ayatollah. Yeah, but he's a killer, sir. Well, we got a lot of killers. I mean, look at what we do. I mean, you think we're so good? Could you imagine? No. Do you imagine what, what that would be like? they cancel the game. Yeah, he said that, that as the president of the United States, too. You know, right. that's even it, crazier. It, it becomes, that's the thing, kind of what he said. Word becomes policy at that point. Like, he's saying, yeah, you know, look, we kill, they kill, we all, you know, it's fine. And he's not entirely saying it as the president. Yeah, out loud on television. Yes, it doesn't make sense. But again, it's we can infer a lot into it. I don't know. I mean, it's an odd thing to say, I think. But think about if if Hillary said it. Think about it if Obama said it. Think about the reaction. It seems like it got no reaction, which is even stranger. Well, I mean, the Patriots were busy winning the Super Bowl that night, which is a uh, just saying. True, people were shocked by the. The yeah. wonderful, wonderful comeback by the New England Patriots. Yeah. Trump-like. I like to think that Brady was inspired by my victory over crooked Hillary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a delightful turn, 
Russia is demanding an apology from Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> the, the Kremlin released a statement on O'Reilly's remarks saying, we believe that such a statement by the Fox News host was insulting and impermissible. We would prefer to hear apologies addressed to the president from such a respectable television network. Oh, how funny would that be if Bill uh, had a press conference and apologized officially? Do you understand what kind of fucking crazy time warp we're living in where Russia goes, listen, Fox News is a very respected uh, TV network, but Bill O'Reilly should not call our president a murderer. That's no good. <laughs> oh, God, it's great. It's crazy. It just proof how confident he's feeling in his control over... Trump. It's, oh, oh, it's fun. It's got to be fun for Putin. You know, he saw that. It was like, you know, it to be hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> like he, he's a brilliant man. I don't. I, I respect his intelligence, and he. Here we go. Matt's gonna go on one of his like Hitler was pretty smart tirades. No, no oh, Hitler, okay. Hitler's no, kind of a dumbass. No. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, <sighs> just, just derail me, Chris. I know. I did. On the <laughs> uh, you were saying Putin's smart. He knows when I he mean, can pick an he, opportunity. He's very. He's very good at at manipulating people. He's very good at knowing how to play the game. And yeah, this, he's this is KGB. Just, he's former KGB. This is him taking a victory lap of, yeah. Absolutely. I it's, chose your president, motherfuckers. Well, right, but even if it's not, he goes, look at this dumb-dumb. Like, there's no way that Putin, who is a I would bet my life that Putin has murdered people himself, like in some capacity, right? He was oh, a Russian cool. soldier. He's gone through, they're essentially, they're... CIA, he's run their CIA. Like, this guy is not a fucking joke, all right? He does not look at Trump and go, yeah, we're equals. He looks at Trump as like a wannabe, an idiot. Trump doesn't kill anybody. Not that you should, but I'm just saying, like, Trump's not on the same level of, you know, intense experience that Putin has been through. Putin's been through some weird shit that if we knew, we'd be like, holy Fuck that guy is really like you know you understand I mean, what I'm saying. Putin is a wolf, yeah. he, and he will prey. Oh, well, yes. He will prey on the weakest. What thing, he will find the weakest person and prey on them. Absolutely, and he has done that in, in Trump. Right, that and, is all this is. Yeah, he and is, that's what you see. Right, you see that he's taking advantage, and they go, "Well, he doesn't respect Hillary. I mean, he'd take advantage of her." Hillary Clinton's a fucking animal. That's the thing. Like we could, pretend, Hillary's a goddamn war hawk. She'll she would drop bombs on Russia. She would. Well, and this is this is why you don't necessarily want an outsider because you want someone who still knows how to play the game. You want someone who has your best interest in mind when they're playing the game. Right. That's the key. To, that's the key to finding a politician you like. Yeah. Trump does doesn't know how to play the game, so he's just beating the board against his head and thinking that's gonna win win the game for him. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that's a very so final thoughts on this show. That's a very weird one. And then we'll get to our final uh, the conflicts of yeah, interesting. We're reading an email. It's crazy, but also the other thing that just came to my mind as Matt said that is the fact that he picked a war with Australia. Of all of the countries that have backed us in the past, you choose to pick Australia to have a grape with? Yeah. He just It just makes no sense. Yeah, it was something over like a thousand refugees or something that the United States has agreed to take from Australia. I don't remember the exact details of it. But yeah, Trump had his first call with, uh, I believe it's Malcolm Turnbull or Martin Turnbull, I forget, the uh, Australian um, prime minister. And he... Trump was like very aggressive, they said towards him, and 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 you know oppositional and like took a weird tone with an ally of ours. Uh, but meanwhile, when he talked to Russia, he asked for the recording to be turned off, which I don't know if that actually happened or not. But but a little oh. sketchy. Yeah, it's so just that shit. If it was recorded, it's very weird. What's going on? What's his name? It's Malcolm Turnbull, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Anyway. 
again, just a just you know, just a weird one I want to call attention to. Trump conflicts of interest. Now, this is something I was thinking about because I keep seeing a lot of stuff about this. And I think to myself, something like Dakota Access Pipeline with the you know energy transfer partners, that is a dangerous conflict of interest because you're endangering a lot of people's lives, their sacred land, all this stuff. It's a big problem. Other stuff I hear, I go, yeah, it's bad, I guess. You know, it's like I'd rather that not be the case. But also... Do I care that much? Like, is there, are these things that I really give a shit about? So let's talk about a couple of them and then we'll have the conversation. A new liquor filing over uh, Trump's DC hotel on Saturday confirms that his oldest son is overseeing the revocable trust of which POTUS is the sole beneficiary, allowing Donald Trump a direct tie to his business interests. So now they had to file for a liquor, whatever delivery or like re up their liquor license or something. And it has Trump listed as the sole beneficiary of the revocable trust. And it had either his or his son's, you know, social security number or whatever. So they go, Oh, okay. That's who's running this. And Trump is the guy that's going to be gaining the benefits of it, which means that he's still firmly in control of his businesses. It doesn't matter that he's not looking at it day to day. If I have a set of businesses and I give it to Matt, I go, Matt, you control this for the next year. Uh, I could still talk to Matt <laughs> just because I'm not looking at the papers day to day. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not still really tied to it. And I know what businesses I own. Now, how much are you going to pay me for all this? Well, it's, I don't want to talk about it on the air. Okay. Uh, also, <laughs> reportedly, there are plans to expand... Trump brand hotels into 26 new U.S. cities this year, directly contradicting POTUS's pledge not to make any new deals while in office, right? Because he said any engage in currently existing deals, we're going to cancel them and then we're not going to pursue anymore. But obviously... No, 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 but he's not making the deals. His son is making the deals. So they okay. Of course. But that's not what he said. But okay. Just another thing I want to point out. Finally... This is, a, this is an interesting one. This is kind of where, you know, my point of view is on this. First Lady Melania Trump has filed a lawsuit against the Daily Mail. Oh, motherfucker, I forgot something from before. The Daily Mail, Wikipedia, uh, has rejected the Daily Mail now as a reliable source. They will not be using the Daily Mail as a source anymore for any Wikipedia posts. Can they point to what article like they've come to that conclusion? They probably because could, but they out. they could. But in the statement, they said because they sensationalize and they like stretch the facts and they sometimes just outright lie about shit that, uh, you know, they're not going to use it, which I agree. And actually, KT, who sent us the link to the rogue POTUS staff, she had sent me an article from the Daily Mail about it. And I was like, thank you. I appreciate the, you know, reaching out. I was like, but the, do not. You shouldn't treat the Daily Mail as a real uh, it's a ta- source. It's a tabloid. It's a tabloid. I mean, it really is. It's o- Murdoch-owned, I believe. Um, and I know, yeah, the, you I, know just, the, I know the Sun is Murdoch-owned. I'm not sure. If, I think it is. I think if you look into it. I, but, any, but in any event, and also, interestingly enough, Piers Morgan is the editor of it. you got to fact-check all this as I'm going, but I believe he is, which we know he has strong ties to Trump. So you got to be... But, uh, but okay, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, um, the Daily Mail, not a good source. We don't use that on the show. Maybe I've used one one time um first lady melania trump has filed a lawsuit against the daily mail for falsely reporting that she was once an escort saying that her business opportunities would be hurt by the false report i have a bit of the uh 
the article that I was reading about it. In a lawsuit filed today, First Lady Melania Trump revealed her intention to leverage the presidency to ink new, quote, licensing, branding, and endorsement deals worth many millions of dollars. In the filing, Melania Trump lawyer described the position of First Lady as a, quote, once-in-a-lifetime money-making opportunity. She told the court she intended to pursue deals in, quote, apparel, accessories, shoes, jewelry, cosmetics, hair care, skin care, and fragrance. These kind of endorsement deals would be especially lucrative while Melania Trump is First Lady and thus, quote, one of the most photographed women in the world. So she's suing the Daily Mail, being like, you fucked me here because by saying that I was some kind of high-class hooker, uh, you know, you've kind of tarnished the idea of me as first lady and therefore you're hurting my ability to, you know, market the fact that I am the first lady and make money off of that, which I don't know. This is the question that I have. Is this something that is like, obviously it's scummy to an extent, but is it really something that doesn't happen? Because while Obama wasn't collecting the checks from his book sales while he was in office, he was selling books while he was in office that he wrote and he was collecting that money. He was going into an account for him. Him being the president elevated his status, obviously. So he sold yeah. more books like, you know, Jackie Onassis, I'm sure benefited. Hillary gives speeches after she was the secretary of state bill, all of them. You know what I mean? So like just being president in and of itself is going to do that for you, whether you're actively involved in it or not. And to me, unless it affects yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I understand the legality of it and why it should be illegal and why people would have a problem with it. But to me, I think we have other issues to worry about. Not that we should just ignore this shit, but I don't know how much it really matters. And that's kind of the conversation we can have. Also, Mar-a-Lago, which is Trump's uh, Florida resort where he lives and whatever, it raised its initiation fee from 100000 to 200000 recently. Nice. Yeah. That's some real money. Yes. Uh, let Matt go first. He's chomping at the bit. And then, Joe, you could jump in. So... First of all, when it comes to giving speeches once they're out of office, selling books out, like doing stuff out of office, th- you, you, there's nothing you can actually. They're not buying your influence at that time. You're not. You're just getting paid to do to give a speech. You're you're not, you're not making policy then. That's fine. But when you're when you're trying to make money off the office of the presidency, then you can say to Russia, if you give me if you give uh, Melania's business, give us five million dollars, then we'll uh, be more. Be more uh, amenable to your offer. Sure, but, but, that is the that is good. But I do want to say though, here's the thing. Yes, Hillary makes money off her speeches when she's out of office, but when she's giving her Goldman Sachs speeches, everybody fucking knows she's running for president. So you know what I mean. So it's like it's that sort of wink, wink thing where it's like technically, I'm not equating it. I'm just saying, I you know, I understand why Trump would be like, well, yeah, I can fucking keep running my business. But to your point, yeah, it opens them up for bribes. But I mean, and just giving a speech is a one time payment. Yeah, you go and do it. Hillary, she's giving. She has lots of experience, lots to talk about in her life. She's had a she's had a fascinating life. She was right. the first lady, senator, secretary of state. She has done all these things. She can. I've like you don't. I don't take issue with someone profiting off that when they're not in office. Yeah, but the Clinton. To be fair, and I, you know, you heard a lot about it during the campaign and whatever, and I think a lot of it was kind of bullshit but the clinton global global initiative she's the secretary of state bill obviously she's married to him he's running the foundation um you know there were some allegations that that they were that she would go have a meeting with somebody and then all of a sudden there was five hundred thousand dollars or whatever like and it became donated and it became a controversy with right right and right she was hammered for it yeah Yeah. like that is one of the things that contributed to her not becoming the president on this idea that oh hillary's corrupt and donald isn't 
Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it goes the other way, right? It's like, she's the one in power, but the money's not going to her. It's going to the foundation, which and, is a global force for good, essentially. You know? And, and there, there's talks about, okay, Donald is insisting that any, that any international guests have to stay at his hotels and stuff like that. Well, well he's not insisting that, right? But, it, but obviously, if you're coming to D.C., you should stay there because you go, hey, I stayed at your hotel last night. It's beautiful. Yeah. And that- Thank you. That really actually tickles me. Thank you. It's very nice. It's a big league. But we have you have to be giving money to the president to win his favor. You don't have to. It's that, just a suggested donation. Well, that, to actually have his favor, you pretty much do is what it's saying. Right. You you it's there's you can try to not play the game, but is the suggestion that oh you have to you have to buy into Donald's his whole empire, and if you want to have a chance of playing, thoughts about this, Joey? Thoughts about Melania? I mean, I get what Melania's uh, saying, but I I be honest with you, I I feel that she's filing. Right now, to make sure she has her own brand called the First Lady brand, mm-hmm. you know, the First Lady, First Lady dress, First Lady jewelry. Right. It sells itself. She could sell, I don't know, shit on a stick with that brand, First Lady. Done, done, son. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what they're saying. That's that's their point. They're like, she right now has the one of the most unique opportunities you could ever have because very few people become First Lady of the United States, and. They want to leverage that. Now, again, is it really going to be that big a deal policy-wise? Probably not. But by the same token, to Matt's point, you're right. You do open yourself up to what happens when whatever lobbyist Steve walks in and he's got his wife Jane with him and she's got the Melania Trump first lady collection shoes on. Oh, Right? And she goes... Oh, my, oh nice my God, shoes. those look beautiful. And she goes, oh, thank you the, very the, much. The, those $100,000 shoes. Uh, <laughs> right. That were a gift. Yeah. $100,000 gift. Right. So that's an interesting thing. Now, to this point, I really didn't pay much attention to it, but I saw some shit went on with Ivanka's line being dropped from Nordstrom or something. Nordstrom said it was poor sales, um, which is why they dropped it. And then Trump was like, they treated my baby terribly you know it's terrible what they did to Ivanka she's a hard worker and then Kellyanne Conway the dunce was on a show today and was like I'm gonna give Ivanka a um you know a free commercial go buy Ivanka's stuff which is definitely illegal I mean it violates yeah you can't do that you can't, can't do can't that she caught her action Ooh. Yeah. so it's a commercial I mean she's selling you know a, a product from a federal position which she's not and, allowed to do and from a f- federal office are trying to dictate how a private enterprise can run their business right you, they're trying to punish wow. people for which even crazier, Trump tweeted it from his from his real Donald Trump Twitter account, and his POTUS Twitter account retweeted him about it. Which it's like, what can he do? Like, wow, he did do it. But you know, it's even crazier because I was reading an article about it. It's clearly unprecedented. It's ridiculous, but it goes into the presidential record. Like his library, his presidential library will have a record of all his tweets. And one of the fucking tweets will be him retweeting himself talking about the fact that Nordstrom dropped his daughter's clothing collage. Like, do you understand how... I, oh, I, wait, seriously? I, I, yeah, of course. It goes into the that record. That be in the history books. It is in the history Donald books. Donald Trump took the time to bash Nordstrom's because they dropped his baby girl's clothing line? Yeah. I, I just want to see a kid. <laughs> That's insane, right? It doesn't make make any sense. I just want to see a Ken Burns style documentary 40 years from now of just going over the Trump presidency. Right. And this day, Trump was very upset about. (laughs) 
<laughs> on the morning of February 14th, the president awoke startled. <laughs> he found out that his, da- <laughs> his daughter's handbags had been dropped by famous Brad Nordstrom. He, he immediately turned to Twitter. Then, yeah, yeah, exactly. He went on a furious turn, and then they cut to Trump. I hated it. I hate Nordstrom. I'm more of a Lord and Taylor man. Uh, okay. <laughs> to relax. Go to Macy's. Okay. Chill out, idiot. Uh yeah. All right. Well, anyway, so that's that's what I got on that. It's well, just an interesting thing because I keep God, man. Uh, one last thing is like, I, yeah. just I, I know this isn't a legal thing, but it just cheapens the office. It just takes oh, the, sure. it, it just cheapens the. It, it just feels so cheap for the president of the United States. Our, the, the position called the highest office, like the uh, highest office in the land, the leader of the free world. Free but what? But is it? But is this cheaper? It's just outwardly cheaper. It's like it's a very obvious, like we're clear. Ha- but we're we're uh, we're hawking. Cheap goods. Yeah, Come but buy our but but you know what though? But Citizens United, all this shit, that's that cheapens the office too. Like all a lot of this stuff. That's always been my point. Like the buying politicians and lobbyists and the corporate elections and all this shit. It's just a more opaque thing. This is just you just see it. You're like, so, ah, it's so gross. Let, so let this be a wake up call that yeah, we need. It's time to overturn Citizens United. Right. It's try, time to get money out of this office. And by the way, Bannon, I didn't realize this is crazy. Bannon worked for Citizens United. So the Citizens United decision. No, he did. Citizens United is you know, it's what we refer to it as, but it's a Supreme Court case about the uh, the ability of corporations to donate. I believe it's Citizens United versus yeah, this the United States, right? Yeah. Uh, but ba- but Citizens United was a group, and Bannon was part of that group. Isn't that crazy? I had no idea. I found out out yesterday. Oh. More reason for me to dislike him. Yeah, because I was reading something about this documentary that Bannon put together, where Bannon believes that we're in an apocalyptic age that he thinks we're in the fourth turning. It's, it's a whole thing. You'd have I mean, to go read about we are, it. But. We are in a tumultuous age. And it, for the record, it's Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission. Okay, there you go. Uh, but anyway, so ba- yeah, so anyway, so I was reading about this thing where Bannon's sort of like this apocalyptic guy, and he made a, a documentary, and it's fucking Citizens United Productions. <laughs> Bannon was was there, uh, too. Uh, kind of amazing. But anyway, that's just... United Citizens Productions. Clever. Yeah, but that's just a, uh, just a little bit of an aside. I have this email. We'll close with this. Uh, Joey, do you have the email there? Uh, yes, I do. Can you read it? My throat's a little dry. I'm just going to have some water. We got an email from Tom um, that Joey, I had to do a little research because he included a couple of links, but Tom was pretty adamant that he'd like this to show up on the podcast, so I figured I'd oblige. Uh, Joey, you want to read it? Or Matt, you have it open. Yeah. Do you want to read it? Okay. Joey, you just, you'll just you jump in with your comments you know, based on the research you did, but Matt, go ahead, you read it. For the record, Tom doesn't address me in here like he does, uh, like I was earlier. Yeah, well. Chris and Joey and Matt. I don't normally go out, of my, go out of my way to share my views on what's going on politically, but recently I've seen a bill that, has, uh, that, ha- that hasn't been mentioned on the podcast that I feel needs to be. It's nicknamed the War on Wolves Act. Basically, the bill is meant to sh- uh, strip federal protect- protection from wolves and allow them to be t- hunted for trophy again. We have spent so much time and, e- time and effort uh, reintroducing wolves into the U.S. and have seen the positive impacts of them on the environment. I have attached a link describing the, uh, this below. The main argument for passing this bill is that wolves are dangerous for people and livestock in the lower 48 states. So I got to guess Tom from Alaska, right? Because I never referred to the United States as the lower 48 states. Possible. Quite okay. possible. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. In the lower 48 states, there have been zero, I repeat, zero fatal wolf attacks in many years. A study showed that there were 31 fatal dog attacks in uh, 2013. And not, uh, and not trying to put a, put a uh, target on dogs. I love dogs. This is just proof as how, uh, at how uncommon wolf attacks really are. Second, farmers are losing money when livestock is killed by wolves. 
Again, this is not completely true. In the rare occasion that wolves do attack livestock, the farmers are uh, compensated by the government. I want to jump in there because I get that. That's a point that he's making, and that's probably true. They do get compensated, but that's the same as like when Exxon destroys the Gulf. They go, yeah, but we paid fishers, fishermen. Yeah, and it's It's like, okay, but... It's probably not full compensation that you get of the cow's lifetime. Right. And it's also, I'm sure, a bureaucratic hassle. It's still, okay, you have this dead cow. What now? Right. That sort of rhymed. Uh, Oh, dead cow, what now? Yeah, Yeah. I get it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, just figured you should know about this absolutely idiotic bill. Here's a link describing the bill. Uh, okay, so then he includes a couple yeah. of links, and he goes, let me know what you think, and I really hope this makes it on the podcast. Thanks, Tom. You're welcome, Tom, and it did make it on the podcast. Joey, I asked you to look at this. Um, look into the links. I looked at them, but I figured you know, you could do a little bit more research. Uh, you know, you're not on your bus today, so you had a little more time to look into it. What did you get out of these links that Tom sent over about the uh, right. war on wolves? So- so from the links, what I got is that it would strip away protections that protect the wolves. So people could try, could go hunt them as trophies again, you know, kill them and make a nice little trophy or head stop, whatever it may be. And the four states that are involved in this is Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Okay. Now, the interesting win is in Wyoming. Well, it's going to allow people that um, uh, across the state, 85% of the state, they'd be able to hunt the wolves again. So it only will give them a 15% like savage uh, land, like a safe haven. And that's just basically where uh, Yellowstone is. I see. Now, but what are some of the benefits? Because I saw something about a, basically a chain reaction type of thing of like, the more wolves there are, the better it is for X, Y, and Z, which I think is part of what Tom was, was talking about. Um, yeah. Right. So one example was they had reintroduced the gray wolf into the greater Yellowstone ecosystem in 1995. And at, at that point, there was only one beaver colony. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Uh-huh. And now, because of the effect that the wolves had on everything, the beavers increased to nine of them. Oh, okay. In 20 years. Which is positive because they dam up different rivers and they keep fish in certain areas. Right? Yeah, it's like it creates a whole, like, and, yeah. Yes. So it, it's just an example out of how the government can totally strip away something and cause havoc that would not only affect this one species, but all of them together. Yeah, and what, but what, and what is the logic, though? Like, I mean, is that, that really is the argument that they're just saying you know, they're going to eat cows and, you know, they might kill people. So we should just allow people to randomly hunt them. I I don't have a problem against hunting. Again, uh, we've talked about a number of times in the show. If you're doing it properly, you're doing it in the right areas. You're not killing endangered species. You're not going out there with a fucking machine gun or you're not just trophy hunting. If you're really out there to try to a cull a herd, which is part of it, um, you know, or you're going to try to eat the the food or use the pelts for some reason. You know, then fine. That that's a legitimate thing. Um, oh, there's also something about elk, where like the more wolves there are, the elk can't just sit around and like focus on particular things. I, f- I forget what they eat, but essentially the elk are just like really taking their time picking the food they eat. But when there's wolves in the area, they eat quicker and then they run, and so then they are more agile and active and then actually better if you you know hunt elk so it's like this whole well, whole thing you know well like i, I mean i remember this youtube video I watched a couple of years ago called i think it was called how wolves change rivers right and it's 
the importance of this entire ecosystem depends on ha- having the apex predator. Right. And because you get the, those these elk that are just able to sit around where they want, they'll sit on the riverbeds where there's water, food, it's all lush. They eat the, they eat all the plants. It causes much it causes it uh, allows for much easier erosion. It changes the entire it changes everything in the, in right. the ecosystem. And just by have reintroducing them, it's a much healthier ecosystem. Yeah. And the problem is we've had. Now, like, oh, sorry, Joe. Yeah. Now, Chris, to your point mm-hmm. about the uh, the law, I have a quote from Marjorie Mahal, the senior legislative counsel at Earth Justice. Sure. A new Congress has resurfaced an old vendetta against impaled wolves. If this legislation is signed into law, wolves in Wyoming will be subject to unregulated killing across the vast majority of the state and even the borders of Yellowstone National Park. Numerous legal loopholes will authorize widespread wolf killing. Americans rightly hailed the return of the wolves to the northern Rockies two decades ago as a triumph of the Endangered Species Act, but now this Warren Wolves Act will allow for the same un- unregulated killing that rightly wiped out the species in the first place. Politicians should not meddle in the science-based listing status of a particular species at any stage but now is especially bad time as these cases are still playing out in the courts. We urge those who support the protection of the wolves to call the senators and representatives and tell them to vote down this lethal legislation. It's so interesting that this is the stuff, like the Trump run on this. You know, this is stuff that's happening now as you get a conservative Congress and you have a conservative president and you know you hold the tiebreaker. Like, they're going for absolutely everything none of this stuff was things that were mentioned during the debates or whatever they weren't talking about wolves and oh we need to be able to hunt wolves again like what you know this comes down to oh any regulation is bad we for every for every one regulation you create you need to repeal two right that's what this comes down to they took speaking of that the good job joey by the way this i think we've you know addressed this i think it's you know if Tom wants to write in again, that's great. Um, it is an important issue. It's an important issue that will that doesn't get covered much. Yeah, and it's a, it's an important issue yeah. just in the sense of like you're meddling with something that doesn't need to be meddled. Like we did this with with an intentionality of restoring this ecosystem to what it's supposed to be, and it's worked apparently. You know, people <laughs> yeah. people that are involved in this recognize that it's worked, and the reason why you would go against it is not legitimate. Now. But- Good. We we, we want to go. We want to go like undo one of our big, our only ecological wins over the last like right. few decades. To your point about just undoing regulation for the sake of undoing regulation, it was also something that I read, and I I didn't really you know bring anything about it, but I saw it that the USDA, the Trump administration, took off the USDA website records about puppies being sold to puppy mills. Basically, Ooh. yeah. Right. Matt makes a face like, what? Like, yeah, why Why would you do this? Basically, what happens is the USDA, you register, you have a litter of puppies, you're breeding puppies, you register them with the USDA, and they give them a number or something. So they, at least they know, okay, puppy number 3,448, this Dalmatian got sold to this pet store or whatever is now going to be at this pet store, but it's not a puppy mill puppy. We know that, you know, it's some, it's just a way of tracking that. The Trump administration took that record off the USDA website and then released a statement. They didn't announce it, but they were like, if you want to, you know, get this information, you could file a freedom of information request now. <laughs> it's I not just going to be something. Yeah, but what, but what to protect 
the rights of puppy mills? I don't understand why you would do this. You heard it here first, people. Donald Trump hates puppies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they tried to blame it on the Obama administration when they were really questioned about it. They go, well, this was something that was put in place in 2016 and you know we had nothing to do with it. Completely false. Because it was on the website up until Obama was out of office and then, then it got removed. It had nothing to do with Obama. But hmm. did, did you know Obama changes everything once he left office? He, it is kind of amazing, that sneaky fuck. He planted yeah. a lot of time bombs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a lot of viruses and all the compu- all the uh, government websites. Amazing, right? Isn't yeah. that crazy? But it's just like, but right. Yeah. But it's like, what, so what are you doing? So you're just undoing stuff for the sake of undoing it because you have nothing else to do. Puppies, for God's sake. Right. Like, why would you want, why would you want puppy mills to be protected? And it's not even like it's doing anything. They're still keeping the record. They're just not making it public. So if you want to make sure you're not contributing to a puppy mill, you'd have to file a FOIA request. And I mean, I I imagine anyone who's actually going to this website will find a way to find out if you're getting a puppy mill. It's not a a mainstream website, really. No. But it's just just how it it looks. Yes. Right. It looks ridiculous. It looks like you hate puppies. Right. Uh all right. Well, anyway, so that's what I got for this week's episode. I think we did a good job. Joe, you felt good on the phone, right? Yeah. It's not as good as being in there in person, but under the circumstances, I feel like everything went well. It's not like he's wearing any clothes, so of course he feels good. Yeah, I know. He's just spread eagle yeah. on the bed. He's, he's doing great. Uh, yeah, Matt, I'm glad you were able to make it into studio today. I texted you, and you were yeah, like, yeah, I'll be there. I, I, a little snow never stopped me. I'm a New Englander. <laughs> tough. Tough words. Guys, Brian... Wilson, Oso Perezoso is his new album. Comes out March 7th. You can pre-order it on Bandcamp. You go to Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, Wilson.bandcamp.com. You can also find it on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, a lot of different places online. He's also doing a record release show March 10th at 9 p.m. at Greenpoint Gallery in Brooklyn, New York. He's a friend of the show. He's a friend of ours. He's been on the show before, like we mentioned. And it's a really cool... Um, unique sound that he's created. He's a, a, a brilliant cellist, fuses it with hip hop and synthesizers and, and different beats. And it, it's just a very cool sound. So I'd urge you guys to check it out. And as we're, um, you know, wrapping up the show here, I'm probably going to under like, you know, lay it under kind of our words as we're signing off and it'll be pretty cool. And then it'll go into the song and you guys can listen to uh, Ice Nine is the uh, name of the song. And I'm going to talk to Brian. I think we're probably just going to play, you know, his songs at the end of the episodes for the next couple of weeks until the album comes out. So that'll be really cool if you guys want to check it out. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. You can also go for our sake. You can go to iTunes. You can rate subscribe, leave a comment, really do that. I'd love to see a couple of more comments on there, some new uh, ratings. We really appreciate it. Soundcloud.com slash mandatory Samson. You can leave a comment on the episodes as we release them and we respond to those and we have a little conversation on there. And even if you guys correct me, I will more often than not take that correction to the show and let everybody else know. Email us, mandatory Samson at gmail.com. Social media, I'm at mansamp, M-A-N-S-A-M-P. That's the shortened version of mandatory Samson. Joey is at Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled the Z, of course. And Matt is Matt D. Weiss on Twitter. He's not very active, but yeah, I, 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 I'll get there eventually. Okay, Twitter's fun, man. I, like I know. Twitter. I just need to. I need to get into it. Okay, uh, Joey. Any final thoughts of the Samsonites? Guys, a lot of this going on. Keep your ears open, your hearts open, and let's come together. Beautiful. Enjoy the sweet sounds of Ice Nine of Brian Wilson's debut solo album, Oso Perizoso, and we will talk to you guys next week.
This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts and find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. No, we out.